Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. So excited to get back on. Today, we have one of my great friends on and we chat every week. So we're always talking and today or a couple of days ago, I was just like, hey, man, you know what? We need to have you back onto the podcast. I know you're doing some real cool stuff. And so today we are joined by Michael Policar. Hey, Emlyn, it's a pleasure to be back on the show. And Josh, you've been doing a lot of really cool things on here, and it's just an honor for me to have you ask me back on. Absolutely, man. And thank you. We've been trying to keep up, uh, keep the show fresh after you. We've been going for a while now, so sometimes it's just cool to be able to have people back on that have just grown and continue to develop their own brand. And I think that's exactly what you've done. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that today and then talk a little bit about how great my 49ers are this year and what we're going to do to the Seahawks. We can also talk about that at any time during this call, during this show, just letting you know, you're going to win the NFC West. We'll just put it out there now. It depends where Richard Sherman's going to be suiting up. If Richard Sherman's going to be suiting up. Uh, Yeah, that part. I don't know what Richard, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. Richard probably won't be playing. I don't know if he's going to be playing too much this season, man. Poor guy. You got to conduct yourself a little better than that. It's been a rough couple of months for him, I think. Yeah. To say the least, to say the least. But before we jumped into the show, I just wanted to go back and talk to some of the listeners real quick and just tell you guys, thank you once again for all of the reviews that you've been giving us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for that a lot. I know that we've been getting a lot more new listeners and that's possibly because people have been sharing. So I know a couple of shows ago, I asked to make, I wanted to make sure everyone would, if you had a favorite episode, you would share that with someone that you liked. And if you didn't like them, I learned this from someone too. If you didn't like the person, you can share the episode with them anyways, because we want to share the episode all the time. I, I believe that's something that Mike used to say on his show. What better way to passively aggressively give someone something? That that's they, right. Is that what it was, Mike? I don't remember. What that's it. what it was. Yeah. If you don't like the show, tell somebody you don't like. Make them listen to it. Waste their time. There you go. I mean, long as <laughs> we're getting it out, right? That's right. But wanted to... Thank all of you for that. And that's absolutely from the bottom of my heart and the minority money community. Thank all of you for the help. Don't forget, we also have the minority money merch. We did do some updates on the merchandise stuff. We have just summer stuff there now. So we're going to have your shirts, your hats, your coffee mugs, all that stuff is available for you at minoritymoneymerch.com. So that's minoritymoneymerch.com. You can go there and get any of your merchandise to match the lifestyle that we are talking about now. And with that, we're going to jump right into the show. So today we wanted to talk to Mike a little bit about his new podcast and some of the stuff that he was talking about. We really want to get down to eating the home cooking. So Mike, if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell us a little bit about the new show that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was a pivot in January uh, around the same time I started my own business. And I went from my old podcast, The 15-Minute Financial Advisor, to the new one, Go Out and Live. And Go Out and Live is actually an acronym. It spells the word goal. And that's the basis for everything that I do as a financial advisor with my clients. It's always revolving around what is important to the client. And so I thought, why not enmesh the two things, the business and the podcast, and always be focusing on helping people move the ball forward and either in increments, 
small inch by inch movements or throwing a Hail Mary down the field, trying to get to that goal line. I love it. I love the acronym, the go out and live. I love it just because what are the goals that we try to have in life? The goals that we have should, if we accomplish them, they should allow us to go out and live. Right. And so to have that just as the name of the show and talking about some things that you talk about on the show. Yeah, man. I mean, talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, it's really all about the work that we as advisors do for our clients, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, a client, they don't have financial goals for the sake of accomplishing financial things. Mm -hmm. Their goals are focused on things they want to do in life. They're not things they want to balances they want to achieve in an account, right? It doesn't matter what your account balance is if you can't go out and live. So when a client says, oh, I want to have $5 million before I retire, what they're actually saying is, I want to have the potential income that that $5 million can create for me before I retire. Or I want to have enough money to buy the things I want to buy and spend that money the way that I want to spend it to live the life that I want to live. So I'll go so far as to say that financial planning isn't even about money, about everything that isn't money, but just figuring out a way to essentially finance all of those things, all of those goals or those things that allow somebody to go out and live. Yeah. You know what? I like that. That is not even really about finance. It's more about flexibility. It's about the lifestyle, right? It's about the things that the money can give you. Is that what I'm hearing? More so than about the money itself. And I think so much is placed around the money and not the life that I see the correlation. That that actually makes a ton of sense to me. So as you started to go through this, you made the change and you started the new firm. And so talk to us a little bit about the new firm. Yeah. So started that January 8th of this year, my 37th birthday. And I figured it was the best time to do it because I could always remember when I started the firm that way. You know, I'm probably not going to forget when my birthday is, at least not until (laughs) way down the line. Mm -hmm. And the thought process behind that was, well, I should back up a step. Since I was a kid, I had always been entrepreneurially minded. That even I don't even know if that's a word. But anyway, I'd always had the heart of an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a business owner. I wanted to be self-employed. I wanted to be whatever those words are. My company has just started. Is it a startup? I don't know. Am I a founder? Eh, not really, sort of. But it just depends on who you're talking to and how they perceive things. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of the, the firm's called MGP Financial Planning. And I probably went back and forth I don't know, 200 times on what I wanted to call it Mm -hmm. when I started. And then I realized, okay, let's break it down to the absolute most basic thing that I do for clients and work from there. And the first thing that I talk to with clients is what do you need? What are your goals? And let's prioritize those. Mm -hmm. So NGP stands for needs, goals, and priorities. Mm -hmm. And I figured, you know what? There's no better thing to name this company no better thing to name this firm than exactly the work that we do for clients. What do you need? What are your goals? Let's prioritize them. And that was really the impetus of calling it that. And I think to me, it is so basic Mm -hmm. in the work that we do for clients, but even the planning that I do for myself. And to your point about eating the home cooking, it's, I take the advice that I give to clients and I'm now applying it in my business Mm -hmm almost in exactly the same fashion, 
right? I've, al I've already been doing it in my personal life. That's why I think it works or why I know that it works from a personal finance standpoint. Mm -hmm. But from a business standpoint too, that advice seems to be working well. I mean, the business that I'm running now is already exceeding my expectations. It's seven or almost eight months old. I don't know, seven months old, I guess. And I'm already exceeding where I thought I would be at the 12 month mark. And I think it's that whole philosophy, that kiss philosophy, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. And I exemplify the second S. <laughs> I already got the stupid part. So now I just need to keep it simple. As you're getting ready to open up the firm and do everything that you were doing, doing all of these due diligence, the research, and, and then talk about that transition from, okay, so yeah, absolutely. We're financial advisors. And I think a lot of times we do apply the home cooking to our personal financial situation, right? We tell clients to pay down debt. We tell clients to save money. We tell clients to make sure that they have all their bases covered when it comes to their asset management and then uh, asset protection as well. We talk about all of those things. And then it doesn't surprise me, but it always is like such a refreshing thing when you get in there and you're doing all the stuff that you tell your clients to do. And you're like, man, this is working. Like this works really good. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah that's what you tell people to do all the time. You're like, but it works really good. It almost as if you're surprised by the results of how well the advice that we give to our clients work. And the adaptation of it going beyond <laughs> personal finance and going into how I'm running the business, how I'm operating in the business and the things I'm doing for the business mm -hmm. to help the business improve or meet its needs and goals in the prioritization that I've decided is, is the right thing in the right direction for the firm. Would you mind talking about any of those things? I don't have to give specific numbers or anything, but yeah, would you mind talking about any of those things, the transition to what you've done? Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Um, basically though, the philosophy was I wanted to be able to ask and answer a question to myself in everything that I do mm -hmm. in my firm. And this is why I decided part of the reason, I guess I should say why I decided to create my own. The question is how does what I'm doing now benefit my clients? And if I can answer that question and say, oh, it benefits my clients because X, then it's the right thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. And if I can't answer that question, oh, I'm doing this because it benefits me. I'm doing this because it makes me feel good. It makes me look more important or whatever. And maybe it's not the right thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. So one of those things is I work out of my house. I don't have an office space. Mm -hmm. It's just me for now. So that's very easy. But in the future, I would not expect, even if I had additional staff, additional human resources, I would not expect to have a centralized office space mm -hmm. because in my opinion, and my opinion only, some people need it, but in my opinion, there's money that could be spent to otherwise benefit clients. So one of the things I'm looking forward to doing next year is taking the money that I would have spent otherwise on office rent and hiring or retaining a CPA and an estate planning attorney, not to have them prepare tax returns or prepare legal documents, but just to review, take two or three years worth of tax returns, give them to my retained CPA, have that person review it. Hey, is there anything we missed? Is there anything that doesn't look right? Is there anything that we could be doing better? Mm -hmm. And my guess is most of the answer is going to be no, because most of my clients already work with CPAs anyway. Mm -hmm. But in that off chance that we find something, hey, how come your client has all these things but didn't take this deduction? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I don't know. Like, let's dive into that. Mm -hmm. And if there's opportunities to save clients money, even if it's what I call meaningless dollars, mm -hmm. I'm still going to look for it. I'm still going to put the effort into trying to find that. 
the example that I use is I have a client who makes well over half a million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. And I said, by putting $10,000 a year into a 529 for your kids, you can save 400 bucks in taxes. Okay. $400 in taxes to somebody who makes seven dollars $800,000 a year doesn't really make a difference. Mm -hmm. But from my perspective, it does. From my perspective, I would rather the client have that $400 in their pocket than send that $400 to the IRS in April. Mm -hmm. They're already paying enough in taxes. So if there's something that they can just essentially shuffle money elsewhere, right? It comes out of their, let's just say, savings account or checking account and goes into a 529 account for their kid. Mm -hmm. That's money that they're going to use to put their kid through school anyway. But now they're saving 400 bucks. Mm -hmm. In the future, they might be getting more out of that because it can grow tax deferred and come back out tax free when it's time to use it for education expenses. So it doesn't have any downside for the client. All it has is potential upside. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things that I'm looking for. And I feel like if I can, instead of pay an office rent for an office that none of my clients are ever going to see, I did a little math the other day. And over the last three years, not can, this is prior to the pandemic. So that would have been what, 17, 18 and 19, mm -hmm. 10% of my clients have even seen my office mm -hmm. once. Mm -hmm. So what's the point? Mm -hmm. That was kind of the stage that I got to. So it's things like that. So I don't need an office. My goal is not to have an office. My goal is to provide a higher level of service to my clients than I did before, or then they're going to get somewhere else. And the priority is that client service. I don't need all the clients in the world. I don't need to be on the top 100, whatever advisor list. Mm -hmm. I just need to be on the list of, hey, this is my advisor. And he's at the top of my list for the 40 or 50 clients that I have the honor of serving. Absolutely, man. And I think the office is such a great example of what, you know, looking at your expenses, right? You would do this at in your personal finance. And I think it makes perfect sense to look at it in the business sense. So when I was first starting my firm, just similar to you, the expense that I was looking at, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to have this office expense. And then I'm like, okay, so what is this going to cost me? And how am I going to navigate that? I'm gonna have to get some insurance for the place. I'm gonna have to pay the PG&E there. I'm gonna have to get some internet there and all these other little expenses that I'm going to have to have to run my office there. And then during 2020, which we haven't had an office in now. I mean, it's almost going to be two years. It's kind of crazy to think. Yeah. And it not having the office actually helped expand our reach nationally, right? We got clients all the way from California to New York, down to Florida. We got clients all over the country now because we adapted when it was necessary, like when it was time when we couldn't meet. So I think that is something that's eating the home cooking, right? Taking that money I think, and then reinvesting it to do other things with it, just like we would advise our clients to do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And there's probably things that I spend money on that I don't necessarily need. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about just being like super austere and <laughs> not having any nice things to have for the office. But You can't have any nice things. Mike, you're a financial advisor. Exactly. I swear that that's so deep ingrained in what we do that sometimes you have to fight that not to buy. Like, I remember, okay, and this is something insignificant too. And I just had to jump in and talk about this because like, I, I love Jordans, okay? I absolutely love Jordans. I love Jays. That's my thing. Like, I love to buy them. And oh, yeah. I remember when I first started this, and this is just something like, you know, we talk about eating the home cooking and all that stuff. And it would pain me to buy the shoes because it was like, well, people are just going to think I'm wasting money because I'm buying these shoes. And I had to have a mental shift it's okay to spend money. It is okay for me to spend money on stuff. I mean, I'm not living beyond my means. I'm 
well within my means is these shoes aren't going to break the bank. And I had to start looking at things like that in other areas, every aspect. Like, okay. It's okay that you don't have to drive a beat up car. You can get a nice vehicle. You don't yeah. have to look like a popper. You can have nice clothes. And it's just kind of crazy to think about that. I don't know if that's something that you struggled with or not, but that's something that I kind of like consciously make an effort to not do that. I've never been a big spender on myself necessarily. So it mm-hmm. hasn't been an issue, but I will say this, and this is again, eating the home cooking. Mm-hmm. I preach that having a cash flow plan is like the foundation of getting your money right. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, if you have a cash flow plan, it's not the same thing as a budget. I don't like using the word budget mm-hmm. because a budget sounds like you've done something wrong and you're being mm-hmm. punished and you have mm-hmm. to live within this little box. And you can't do DoorDash because you already did one once this month. And (laughs) that's just not realistic in this day and age for most, I shouldn't say for most people, but for most of the people in my circle, Mm -hmm. the folks that I work with, the folks that I know, my neighbors, just the world that I live in, the world that I perceive. But a cash flow plan gives you permission to spend money, Mm -hmm. especially if you've prioritized your expenses, you've prioritized paying your bills and you've prioritized your savings for the future, mm-hmm. then you are supposed to spend what's left. Yeah. That's why you do the plan so right. that you can go out and spend this money. You can go out and live your life. It's permission. Hey, I paid all my bills. I put the money I need to put in savings to get me to where I want to be in the future. And I've got 350 bucks. Let's go get some Jordans. Yeah. And I don't know, is that what Jordans cost? I imagine you can get some for several thousand dollars, but Oh yeah. The average new release, are they still around 300, 400 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. About 300 bucks. I mean, about 200 bucks. You can get them for less than that. Depends on which ones they are. But I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not breaking anything. It's just, I think what I like to tell my clients is this, it's a conscious spending, right? You have to be conscious about the money that you're spending it on and what you're spending it on. So now I know I can make that conscious decision on whether or not I want to spend money on this right? Not just and, buying and money. And don't blindly. feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah, not feel bad because this money is allocated to purchase things that I want. This is after the step is maxed out, after the IRA is maxed out, after we've hit our saving goal for the month. And I think that's really where it starts to become fun, right? After you start to hit those goals that you have, especially those savings goals or those debt goals or whatnot, then you're able to really go out and live, right? Because I hit my goal and my goal is allowing me to go out and live because the goal was to check these boxes and then have cash flow after, right? Yeah. This is extra cash flow and and that's a good part. And it's not even, this is semantics, Mm -hmm. but it's not allowing it. Mm -hmm. That's what you're supposed to spend the money on. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to take this money and go buy shoes with it. You're Mm -hmm. supposed to take this money and go on vacation with it. Mm -hmm. This is your plan. That's why you put in the hard work. That's why you sacrifice and say, you know what? I can't afford to do these things for a period of time because I have these goals, because I have this debt, because I want to buy those things Mm -hmm. at some point in the future. So you've already made the sacrifice. And then when you have that additional cash flow, that's what it's for. And you should go spend it and you should feel good about it. It should be the opposite of buyer's remorse. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest values in financial planning is the psychological. I call it permission, but it's what you're supposed to do. I've planned for this. I've followed my plan. My plan is working. I have an extra thousand bucks. I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z or buy something or or whatever the case may be. Absolutely. As you've been, we said we're eating home cooking and going through these different things. What would you say, in your opinion, 
has been the most impactful thing. One of the biggest things that you've discovered as you've been out on your own and eating your own home cooking. Oh boy. I was not prepared for that question. <laughs> Take some time. We got to get those fun ones. Yeah. Boy, what is the biggest impact been? I guess for me, it's probably just been the opening of my eyes to what is possible and what is available. Mm -hmm. So a big driver in me wanting to do my own thing and wanting to work out of my house and not have a commute and all of the things that go along with that mm -hmm. was driven by a single event. And it was basically a nothing thing. Yeah. I don't know if it was May or April, or it might've even been June of 2020, mm -hmm. but I was out in, I live in a little cul-de-sac in the suburbs, right? Typical, yeah. typical, typical. <laughs> and I was out there with my son and he was three at the time and riding his little tricycle yeah. with a little push handle on the back. So mom or dad could push him around because he wasn't pedaling and doing that on his own. And I said, bud, you got to do this. You've yeah. got to, you know, use your legs so that you can propel yourself. And then you can go wherever you want to go. Yeah. You don't have to go wherever I push you. Mm -hmm. And he started doing it for the first time ever. And I was just like, whoa, I was part of that. Every other first that he had mm -hmm. was my wife sending me a picture or a video or telling me, hey, you mm -hmm. missed this. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is so cool. He finally said his first sentence, first grade teacher, right? So she's <laughs> big into that whole thing. But then I was part of it. And I was like, there's no amount of money that is going to make me trade this experience and being able to be involved in that in my son's life. Mm -hmm. So even if starting a business and working from home and doing all these things costs me earnings and income and whatnot, I'm going to do it. Now, of course, the reality is I don't think that's going to be the case. The last six months, I didn't really make a lot of money because I was reinvesting in the business and trying to get things growing. But now I'm in a position where I don't think, you know, I'm seven months in, I don't think there's any looking back now. I think we've exceeded on a go forward basis anyway, what I had ever made from any other employer in my past. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but whatever that is, that's probably been the most impactful. And now I get to do stuff with my kid middle of the day on a Wednesday. If we want to, we can go to the swimming pool, whatever it is, mm -hmm. I'm able to adjust those types of things. I have client meetings on weekends and I'm okay with that. You know, there's a lot of people who say, oh, don't do that. You got to set boundaries and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. But then I might take a Thursday off mm -hmm. and go to the, like a miniature theme park, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so we go there with the family and there's no one there because it's the middle of the week and it's fantastic. We have the run of the place. So to be able to do those kinds of things, that freedom, that flexibility to me has been the most impactful. And it really comes from what does the business need? Where do I want to take the business? And what do I need to prioritize to get there? Yep. I think this is the blessings or the, the benefits or the residual effect of being on a business owner, right? All of these things are happening because you took a chance on yourself on your birthday yeah. and said, you know what, I'm going to start something. And then these are all the residual effects of that. I can spend more time with my family. I'm able to, to be there for those very, very important moments that I, with my son and I'm able to do the things now. And it's one of those things that it's not something you can say, oh, because I'm an entrepreneur, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and it's going to allow me to do this. You're right. able to do the things that you're doing because you're an entrepreneur, because you are controlling your schedule, because you are eating the home cooking, because you're allowing yourself to go out and live. That's right. 
And it's true. And I'm not saying this couldn't happen as an employee, Mm -hmm. but in my world, it really couldn't. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, you know, somebody's, I've had a couple of people ask me, oh, how do you like being your own boss? And I sort of laugh because I'm not my own boss. I haven't been my own boss in a decade. (laughs) I have 39 bosses right now. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing from that perspective to me is that I only have those 39 bosses. And when I say that, of course, I mean my clients, but Mm -hmm. I don't have somebody else that has their interests in mind in between me serving my client's best interests. And so to me, that was one of the other more impactful things, Mm -hmm. I would say, is that now it doesn't matter what person X, Y, or Z wants, it only matters what the client wants. And I'm going to focus all of my energy and attention on figuring out a way to help them get that and help them get there. So it's really, it just streamlines the approach. And it's probably not the same for everybody. It's not the same for every advisor. And it's probably not the same for people in other industries and other businesses, entrepreneurs in other businesses. Mm-hmm. But for me, that was the focus. And that's been... I would say absolutely the most impactful thing. So well, let me ask you this, and this is another just out of left field because, you know, I like to just come up with stuff in, in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> so we talked about this. We knew the date that you're going to go, when you're going to do it, you know, blah, blah, blah. We talked about that. You pulled me across the finish line. You yeah. and Desarte <laughs> and Niall. I honestly, maybe I would start my own business but I wouldn't have started it when I did. I would probably still be waiting for the pandemic to get over, for the market to get back, you know, all the excuses that people make. So I'm forever grateful for you and the other guys in our group, Invest Like the West. And anyway, sorry, I just, I wanted to get that. No, no, no. I appreciation. I think having the tribe like that, man, having your go-to group, and Mike's talking about the Invest Like the West group, shout out Invest Like the West, uh, Desarte and Niall, Mikey P and me. That's the Invest Like the West group. And we actually done retreats together. We actually talk every Friday. We have a call that we do. And I think that having that support group have been critical. But what I wanted to ask you was this, to that advisor that's sitting out there, because there's advisors sitting out there right now, wherever they're at, and they want to start their own firm. And here you are eight months into starting your own firm almost to the day. And what would you say to that person? Because we said a lot to you. You did. And so, what <laughs> and I didn't want to hear it all the yeah, time. Yeah, man. I'm I was telling like, you. No, I, no, I'm not going to listen to that. <laughs> we were going hard on Mike for a little while. I'm telling you, it was hard. Like, Mike, what are you doing? So what would you say to that advisor? It's going to be scary anyway. You're jumping off of a cliff into something you can't see mm-hmm. because you don't know what it's like, but you'll never know what it's like until you do it. Mm-hmm. I would compare it to having a kid. And I only have one kid, right? Mm-hmm. You've got several. So you've been through this a few times, but you don't know what it's like to have a kid. You can read the books. You can talk to other parents. You can, oh yeah, catch up on, you know, get as much sleep as you can now. (laughs) Like, no, you can't know what it is until you do it. Mm -hmm. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. So you have to embrace the uncertainty. You have to be in a position where you can embrace the uncertainty. For me, I won't say it was any more scary for me than it would be for the next person. But my wife has been a stay-at-home mom since our son was born. Mm. And so I was the sole breadwinner. I am the sole breadwinner. And that part was really scary. So even four and a half years ago, almost five years ago, when our son was born and my wife stopped working, it was scary because, oh, okay, well, we're going from a two-income household to a one-income household. And despite what most people may think, 
not all financial advisors make a lot of money. <laughs> and I was certainly in a position, I'm not rich. Mm-hmm. I don't make anywhere near what my average client makes. I'd like to get to a point where I'm earning about what my average client pays in taxes every year. And if I can get there, I know I'll be <laughs> doing well. Right. But you just can't know what it's like. It's scary. But so is every other thing that you've done in life that you had any experience with. There's ups, there's downs, there's a lot of things that you have to deal with that you didn't before when you were an employee, but you just figure out a way to do it. You systematize things and you get to determine how you want those to go. You get to decide what software am I going to use? What financial planning tools? What elements am I going to bring in? Who do I want to partner with? All of those things. Where do I want to manage custody of client assets if that's the way that you're going to go. Mm-hmm. You get to build all of that. And again, going back to kind of my philosophy in my firm, I wanted to build it with the intent of this has to be good for my clients. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And as a result of that, I will tell you, since January, I have switched custodians twice. Mm. So it's not ideal. There was some conflict with the original custodial relationship I thought was going to be the case. That wasn't the case. So I had to pivot. And now I'm in the process of pivoting again. Mm -hmm. But that is because I heard from clients things like, hey, is there anything that we can do here to make this better? And the answer was pretty clear after several questions like that. (laughs) And I'm lucky that I have a group of clients that I have very close relationships with, personal relationships with. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting invited to clients' weddings. I'm getting invited to all sorts of personal family events. So I think that's been really helpful. But now I think I'm just rambling too. I'm not sure I'm answering your question at this point. No, no, no. I think you're absolutely answering the question because what happens when you're getting ready to go through that transition, right? It is the scariest thing ever. You're doing something that's unknown. You don't know exactly how to do it. And as a financial advisor, we kind of like to know everything, right? We plan everything. If you're truly a planner, you want to know plan beginning to end. But we also know that things happen in the plan, right? We can see if you lose a job in the plan, then that's going to change some of the numbers. If you get a new job in the plan, that's going to change some of the numbers. You throw a kid into the plan, that's going to change the numbers. You buy a house, that's going to change the numbers. You move, that's going to change the number. So we are used to dealing with change in every aspect of our life, except for when it comes to our business, we act like we shouldn't be able to pivot and move just like you've had to do. I've had to change custodians twice already too. I'm changing a third time. I've had to change softwares a few times. I've started with one financial planning software, changed to another financial planning software, and that is okay. So I just want people to know that you can make changes and sometimes you have to make changes. But one of the biggest things I'll ask is, would you ever, after making this change of being independent, how does it feel? If it's up to me, I will never go back to working for somebody else. If I can have anything to do with it, Mm -hmm. I will maintain my full independence for the rest of my career and beyond, if possible, whatever that means. Man, right? Yeah. There are very, very good people to work for. There Mm -hmm. are very good companies to work for. The majority, almost all of my clients are employees of publicly traded companies. Mm -hmm. And those companies treat them very well. And they make them millionaires as long as they show up and do their job, multimillionaires. And that's okay. For me, I had to have not the control necessarily, 
but I had to have the knowledge that everything, everything about the business was client first. Yep. There couldn't be anything that was, hey, we need to do this. Hey, we need to do that. Mm-hmm. There couldn't be anybody telling me, hey, you need to sell X, Y, and Z securities of your client's portfolios because those aren't producing any revenue for the firm. Mm-hmm. Plenty of people can operate that way. I can't. Yep. And I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm not trying to say anybody's business model is wrong, mm-hmm. but just the way that it works for me, the way that my gut instinct is, is that question that I said earlier, how is what I'm doing benefiting my clients? Yep. And literally at every business decision that I make, how does this benefit my clients? Mm-hmm. What's in it for my clients? And by doing that, I've asked myself that for years. And I worked at wirehouses and other RIAs and whatnot. And I've always asked myself that question. And how can I do better? And how can I benefit my clients more? And what education do I need to give them better service, mm-hmm. to give them better answers? Who do I need to associate with in order to provide that level of service? That's been the number one thing for me. And I don't think I can ever let anybody else dictate that to me at this point, unless it's my clients or potentially somebody who feels exactly the same way or, or even stronger about it than I do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's no looking back. We burned the ships at this point. I love that you said that right now, because that's exactly what I was going to say. And we talked about this, right? And this probably something that I think I might have said that exact same thing to you. Burn the ship. As soon as you get there, burn the ship. Yep. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of times people come into this and I know we were talking about eat the home cooking, but I wanted to finish up with this. Uh, a lot of people come in and they have a plan B right? and plan B is going to kill your plan A. And I'll say that again. If you have a plan B, get rid of it and only have plan A. And when all yeah. else fails, you look back to plan A. And when all else fails, you look back to plan A. And when all else fails, you look back to plan A. And if you have a plan B, then don't do it. Right. Because if you have a plan B, that means you're not all in on plan A and plan A can't work unless you put 150% into it. This is what you hear from everybody. Some people try to do this. If you're really trying to do this entrepreneurship, and it doesn't matter if you're going to be a financial advisor, it doesn't matter what you're going to do. Entrepreneurship is a full contact sport. We're going to need all of you, all 150% of your attention to get going. And then once you get into it, then you'll see, this is why I needed to give all my 150% attention to this. Mike, last question. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. So wanted to do something a little different. Usually we go through those four questions, but wanted to give you an opportunity just to give some parting gifts to our listeners. If there's any words of wisdom that just puts it all, put the pressure on. Any words of wisdom that you'd like to impart to the community? I think you you have tons of it. So I just wanted to leave it open and let you just give some parting words. Yeah, that is a little uh, putting me on the spot, but that's okay. That's how I thrive. I love it. That's it. What I would say is from an entrepreneurship perspective, if you want to get out there and and do something for yourself, like you said, 150%, go all in. No one's going to believe in you as much as you're going to believe in you. And I've had people that were like, are you sure you want to do this? My own mom was like, hey, you know, be patient is now the right time, Mm -hmm. all of these things. And she loves me and she supports me and I wouldn't trade that for the world, but you have to figure it out. You have to have that conviction of I can do this. I can make this a success. Just like you said, no plan B. Mm -hmm. My plan B was spend every penny I have 
I think I have it on a spreadsheet somewhere that says, okay, here's my worst case scenario, income wise, revenue wise. Here's my base case scenario. Here's my best case scenario. And in my worst case scenario, it had a plan for taking money out of my retirement accounts Mm -hmm. to make this work. Mm -hmm. And as of right now, I haven't had to do that. And I Mm -hmm. don't suspect that I will, but it's there because there's no other way to go. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even if I gave this five years and it was a struggle and I was failing and it was bad, I'm going to push until the absolute last moment, until I cannot push anymore. But I feel like that experience gained of doing something like that Mm -hmm. would give me the opportunity to go get basically any job I want, right? Mm -hmm. I go write my ticket. Hey, I need a job. This is what I do. I'm a financial advisor, yada, 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 whatever. But that experience of doing it on your own, of building the business gives it to you. And so I'm a planner. I have the base case. I have the worst case. I have the best case. Mm -hmm. And in the worst case scenario, it was ugly. Luckily, I haven't had to live that. So it's been good. But you have to believe in yourself and your ability to do the things you want and go take the things that you want. Because no one else is going to be there with you through the dark times. And I've had some dark times. There's no question about it. There's some things that I've gone through that I'm still going through that I don't wish on anybody. And it brings anxiety and stress on my family that I wish they didn't have to see, didn't have to see me dealing with, didn't have to think about. And that's just part of the journey. And again, it's like looking over a cliff and staring down into complete darkness and you can't see what's below you, but knowing that you have to take that jump. And believing that, hey, whatever comes my way, I'm going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to figure out a way to work through it, work around it, come up with a solution to get by it, to get past it. That's, I guess, what I would say is it's the most important thing. And the thing that I have to remind myself of constantly, there are days when I'm like, shit, it would be way easier to just go work for somebody else mm-hmm. as it would. You probably have days like that too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, it would be so much easier if I just had to show up, do my stuff and leave. But that's not worth the what I think the trade-off is. And, and honestly, in the last seven, eight months, it wouldn't be worth what the trade-off has already been. It's just been so such a positive thing, despite all of the downsides and all of the anxiety-ridden days and a few, maybe several sleepless nights. It's been worth it. And if you don't think it's worth it, don't try it. Don't jump. It's one of those things where when you feel like you're ready for it and you know you're ready for it, that you have to do it. And if you don't feel like you're ready, don't do it. 2017, I thought I was ready to start my own business. And I came to the realization that no, I wasn't ready. And so I joined a different firm. I left the firm I was with, I joined another one. And then 2021 rolled around and I was ready. And I'm glad I didn't wait any longer. That's for sure. And you told me that. You've been telling me that since day one. You're like, Mike, you're going to look back at this and say, why didn't I do this years ago? Mm -hmm. And I look at myself sometimes. I'm like, why didn't I do this years ago? But (laughs) you can't always do it. And to be perfectly candid, had I done this, had I started my own thing in 2017, 2018, I probably would have failed. Mm. Maybe not. And I'd still be trying to make it work. And my retirement account, my Roth IRA would probably be like 1400 bucks now, but I would put everything into it. 
I don't think I was there three, four years ago. I think now I'm there. I think I've been there for a little while, but it took me, my tribe, it took me you and Desarte and Nile pushing me to say, yeah, you can do this, Mike. You know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's not rocket science here. No. Yeah. So I'm eternally grateful to my tribe, to you. And that's what I would say. This is a long answer to your question, but you got to be 100% committed. Go all in, bet on yourself because everybody else will encourage you, but they're not going to be there when you're up at two o'clock in the morning wondering if you're going to lose everything. Mm -hmm. That part of it can be lonely, I guess. I never really thought about it that way, but I guess that's what a lot of people say, that there's some lonely aspects of being an entrepreneur like that. And that's probably part of it. You know, I look over at my wife, she's asleep. It's three o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep. And I look at her and I'm like, "Ah, I'm glad she's asleep and not thinking about the things I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's that, hey, I know what I'm doing and I'm putting my faith in what I believe in has worked, has gotten me to the point I have gotten to and will continue to push me forward to the next level and sticking with that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I think that's a great summary of why someone should or shouldn't start their own firm or step out on their own. I think you kind of encapsulated everything there. And I think the one thing is talking about doubts, talking about the late at night, worrying about things, but those are all things you did when you worked for someone else too. You still had sleepless nights when you worked for someone else. You still had doubts when you worked for someone else. You had every, one of the only differences, you are in direct control. So when the stuff goes wrong, and you need to change the custodian. You don't have to ask anybody else <laughs> when stuff That's goes right. wrong and you need to change that financial planning software. You don't have to ask someone else. When things go wrong, the buck stops with you and you are the one that's going to be responsible to make sure that everything keeps running. So I'm proud of you, Mike. It's been fun to watch you grow. I can't wait to see the more of the rest of the things that you're going to do with your firm. And as you guys continue to grow, man, it's, it's been a sight to see. So thank you, man, for everything that you've done. And thanks for being a friend because you were inspirational to me too, especially when we were doing the podcast stuff. You know, I talked to you and DeSarte about that a lot. And so here we are, as you're starting your new podcast, and I know DeSarte got something coming for us too. And who knows, Niall might jump in the game. He's been talking about it too. So shout yeah, out. Yeah, you again. never know. <laughs> invest shout like the West. To the Invest Like the West group. And Mike, man, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you. And as everyone knows, this is the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.